What's up, folks? Welcome back to the Whoop Podcast, where we sit down with top performing athletes, scientists, experts, and more to learn what the best in the world are doing to perform at their peak. I'm your host, Will Ahmed, founder and CEO of Whoop, and we're on a mission to unlock human performance. All right, big week in the world of CrossFit with the return of Wadapalooza, and we are excited to welcome CrossFit legend Rich Froning to the Whoop Podcast. Rich has won four individual championships and five titles in the team competition, making him one of the most decorated athletes in the history of the sport. He talks about the mindset that has propelled him to greatness and explains why his drive to win and his disdain of losing has fueled him for the last decade. Rich sits down with our resident CrossFit expert, Mike Lombardi, to talk about his journey to the top of the sport, and they discuss the importance of addressing your weaknesses as an athlete, why finding good training partners might be more important than finding a good coach, how you should think about red recoveries, and why reaching performance heights while in the red isn't out of the question, team building and why Rich is prouder of his team accomplishments than his individual championships, and the role Whoop plays in Rich's success. A reminder, you can get 15% off a Whoop membership if you use the code WILL, that's W-I-L-L. Without further ado, here are Rich and Mike. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Whoop Podcast. I'm Mike Lombardi. Today, I'm joined by fittest man of all time, Rich Froning. Rich, thanks for being here with us. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Feel, you know, just watching you uh, get that intro, it, it's like, a, yeah, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. Nah, <laughs> That's that's a uh, that's the CrossFit title. So I'm sure there were definitely some uh, people that were uh, way fitter than us uh, back when you actually had to do to work to stay alive. So that's a little different <laughs> by today's definitions, at least. Yeah, there we go. Um, there we go. As, as we're measuring it. So long before CrossFit, you were multi-sport athlete, right? Yep. Yep. What kind of led you here? So CrossFit didn't really exist. Uh, yeah. Like that's when we were uh, younger. You know, grew up playing sports. My parents, too, you know, we were outside all the time. If we weren't busy outside, they were going to find us something to be busy with. You know, there was no sitting inside, hanging out, uh, especially if it was super nice outside. So we were outside playing in the woods, uh, making up sports, playing sports, uh, played baseball and football growing up, uh, mostly baseball. Uh, tore my labrum my junior year of high school, so playing football. So baseball kind of, uh, you know, took the, I guess, the front seat and uh, played a little bit of college baseball, decided college baseball wasn't really where I wanted to be at, and then was a firefighter for a couple of years. And in that process, uh, getting my exercise science degree, I had a professor at the time that said, hey, a lot of military police fire are doing CrossFit. You should check it out. And, you know, I was trying to scratch that itch of playing sports. I was playing a lot of intramural sports at the time, but um, that's kind of when I found I knew that was coming to an end, and um, so found CrossFit. And I guess, uh, as they say, here we are. It's in, it's interesting for that. Obviously, you know, you found your way to CrossFit. Did you have a background in weightlifting or any of these things, or did you kind of teach yourself the movements? Because you got into CrossFit not in its infancy, but still as it was becoming kind of what it it's become now. Right. Uh, I mean, I would say my only real lifting background. Um, was football, uh, summer workouts. We did a lot of working out in baseball, but um, a lot of your normal just like buys and tries, bench, that type of stuff, running. Uh, football, we did cleans and squats and stuff like that. But um, until I you know, got into CrossFit and just started watching a ton of videos, uh, a lot of Coach B stuff in the beginning uh, and was kind of self-taught, 
uh, you know, it was a little bit different back in those days. It was just, you kind of, you did it. And um, there weren't all these specialty coaches. Uh, we were joking about it the other day, you know, now we've got rowers, we've got bikers, we've got skiers, we've got assault or echo bikes, you've got whatever. Well, back in my day, uh, we had the rower and a barbell and a pull-up bar. And that's how you did more cardio was just to do more reps of different things, which is probably good. You know, you're learning technique and, um, but you know, it's a lot of, a lot on the body when you're, you're lifting a barbell all the time. So it's, it's come a long way now that we have all these just different forms of, of, uh, ways to build volume, I guess, without beating you up too much. So, like I said, we rode a ton. We, uh, I think I remember having an airdyne before assault, and oh, eventually yeah. e- echo bike. And, you know, uh, we were talking about it the other day, I would every morning, 10 minutes, uh, as many calories as I could get on the airdyne, you know, start with maybe 30 seconds on 30 seconds, easy or a minute on minute, easy, and kind of go between that, but did that for probably a year. And then started watching the Miko videos where he rode 5k every day. And that's what I did, you know, maybe not 5k straight, but a bunch of intervals of 5k rowing every day. And so just different, different time back then. You said your background was in exercise science, right? Or was it yep. physiology? Yep. Exercise science. So, uh, so were you following uh, CrossFit.com or you're just getting ideas and then also writing your own sort of programming along the way? In the very beginning. Uh, so we started uh, CrossFit, solely CrossFit, July 2009, July 1st, 2009, me and my cousin Darren, um, who has been with me since day one and, and still coaches for us and does some online stuff for us, does our affiliate programming. Um, but we just started following CrossFit.com and literally followed CrossFit.com to a T for a couple months. And uh, one day we were sitting there, we got done working out early and uh, I worked at a corporate fitness center and we finished working out. We were kind of bored that afternoon and we were like, hey, should we try working out again? You think we'll die? And uh, we didn't die. We didn't die. So that was when the, the two a day started and you know, now it's still two a days ish, but you're doing a lot more than back then. It was like, Oh, you do one, one wad. Um, I hate that term, but one wad a day and that's all you need. And then for the general population, yes. But if you want to be competitive, uh, it's a little bit different, you know, it's a professional sport. It's, um, it's, you know, comparing flag football to the NFL, but really. So you're always doing more volume personally, you know, I followed the mayhem stuff too. Um, and it's oh, nice. way more, yeah, no, it's, my legs are crushed, but you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, mine too. you know, it's, it's very clear to see why so many athletes come out of the program. And this is obviously like accumulation of volume over time, but from the very jump, you're kind of doing more volume than other people. At what point did you switch from, okay, this is fun to do. And how far can I push myself to, I think I can be pretty good at this. Let me go all in on it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when, I kind of that aha moment, I guess, was uh, in 2009, we were watching, they they put out a docu-series kind of of each event from the CrossFit Games in 2009, and it was really cool, and we were uh, kind of watching the videos, and we would do the workouts, and, um, you know, not nearly, you know, everybody kind of talks about that 2009 year at the ranch, how crazy it was, and uh, just going back, and uh, we were doing the workouts, and our times were comparable, I was like, hey, maybe next year we should try this, and so... I mean, I remember, and we all we, we were joking about making a commercial about this, but uh, Darren going back home, and uh, the the sign up came up for the next year's competition, and so I signed up, and Darren was supposed to sign up when he got home, and he never did. So uh, the joke was, you know, 
don't miss your opportunity. And we were, uh, there may be a, there's going to be a commercial eventually about it. So uh, you'll have to stay tuned for that. But it, it, we have some pretty funny thoughts on that. Like basically we switched lives and the fact that if he would have signed up, but uh, yeah, I think, I think it'd be, uh, you know, it's, you just go back and you're like, man, you know, if you just don't make that decision, you know, what, what does life look and how much different is it? So, you know, pretty blessed to be in the situation that I'm in for sure. When you finally got to the games and got second yeah rope climb was that where you're going yeah what kind of just goes through your head one that you're doing so well were you surprised that you were doing so well in general and then when you got to this rope climb you're like what the hell yeah yeah no it was kind of like you know i showed up to sectionals didn't think i had a chance um the goal was to you know make it to regionals and then i end up being in first place after the first event and then being in first place the whole competition from there kind of shocked myself and so at regionals, the you know the game plan was all right. You know if if I can get top fifteen again, um, they take the top five. You know get a bunch of good experience for next year. Um, I mean the thought process in anything though is I always want to try to win it. There's no like I'm not just showing up to show up, um, but you kind of I think you guard yourself with those expectations of hey you know you're new to this whatever. But um, the plan is always to try to try to win, and then uh, you know fit winning regionals. Uh, you know I looked up to a bunch of these guys that I was going to compete with. I'd seen the, their videos and knew how fit they were. And uh, I mean, it's a first time ever being out there and then being in first going into the final day and, you know, really not thinking anything about not being able to climb a rope and uh, just the failure of that. That was tough. You know, I've talked a lot about it, how you put so much into who you are in something or, you know, find your identity in that put me in a bad place after that getting second. And uh, you know, that's kind of where it got me closer in my faith and uh, made me realize why, you know, what my purpose in life is versus, you know, it's not just about something that I'm doing. And so it was good. You know, it was a good wake up call. And I've, I've said it multiple times. If I'd have won that first year, I don't think I would have won, you know, where we're at today. Would you say similarly about the one team second place? Yeah, the one team second place, it was just a different, um, you know, Wasatch was just really good. You know, I, I hate getting second. I hate not winning anything. Uh, they beat us outright. You know, it, it is what it is. And um, I don't think it was we didn't train hard enough. I don't think it was any of that. I think it was just we didn't have the right pieces, and they had a really solid team, and they beat us fair and square. So, yeah, but I would be lying if I didn't say I used that as motivation, you know, hanging a second place medal up next to the uh, board for the next year in the barn. Uh, motivated me. I probably pissed everybody else off. At me, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> the bounce back from those, you know, you call them disappointments. Other people would call, maybe look at them as, you know, super achievement. Is the differential the next year is astronomical. It's you know, don't don't let it happen. Uh, yeah, to anybody, you you don't want to be competing against you the year after. No, something that doesn't. Well, yeah, right. yeah, we don't like to. You know, I think it. You know, you always see watching the last dance documentary or watching was it man in the arena with Brady now it's, it's yeah. you see you know when it comes to that it's, it becomes almost an obsession and uh you know those guys hated to lose too and so I, I connected a lot with just watching those documentaries and those guys and how they were they were about it you know would you say that you have a similar obsession oh yeah for sure I've, I've come to the realization in the last couple of years I have I have an addictive personality and I have some I guess genetic some uh, hereditary probably could have some substance abuse stuff. And that's over the last couple of years, I've realized this, this is my substance abuse. Luckily, you know, I've been able to channel that and use it for what I would say good. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some 
there's definitely some psychological stuff going on there for sure. As an individual competitor, were you also mm -hmm. doing some mindset work no. along with your condition? No. <laughs> no, no, I, you know, you know, I would say figuring out that, you know, my faith, I was going to be okay. Um, cause you know, whatever happened to me in CrossFit or happened on the competition floor didn't define me as a human being, um, allowed me to compete from a place of offense but as a caveat, I hate losing. I'm one of 32 first cousins. 25 of us are boys. Every single thing um, that we did growing up and, uh, you know, the seven girls that are in my family, my one cousin who's the same age as us beat us and stuff all growing up. So, you know, I look back and I'm like, like my aunts and uncles at first, you know, like when we were kids, I'm thinking, all right, they're trying to figure out which one of us is the greatest cousin, you know, like who's the best, who's the fastest, who can swim the farthest, who can, you know, we had played king of the dock where you push people off this dock that they'd built. And now as a parent, I realize none of that mattered. They were trying to wear us out, you know? Um, but, you know, inadvertently they created this kind of monster of just, uh, we got some pretty good athletes in the family and, and fierce competitors. And um, it's pretty funny to, uh, as a parent, step back now and you're like, dang, you know, what am I creating when I'm doing these little things between, you know, hey, kids, let's see who's running the fastest just because you, you're just, I'm literally just trying to tire my kids out. And then you look down the road, 33 or 34 years down the road, and you're like, what kind of uh, monster am I going to, you know, what kind of obsession am I going to create in my kids? So, it's, it's fun, but it's also you don't realize those things. And so going back, that has a lot to do with it. And then I think just, you know, people are born competitive. It is what it is. Some people are competitive and some aren't. And so that was honestly outside of CrossFit. You know, I, I knew who I was and I knew that faith was a huge part of who I was. And so it allowed me to compete um, within CrossFit and just try to win. And that was it. You've been doing this for over a decade at an incredibly high level. Is it truly as simple as you want to win so badly that each day that's what kind of keeps you coming back? Yeah, you know, especially the first probably 10 or 11 years. And now it's getting to be, you know, I know that Father Time is undefeated. And um, now it's, you know, I'm, I still enjoy competing. I still, you know, want to push myself and do those things. But now it's more for Haley being around and Guy being around and some of the other athletes that are coming in and, um, you know, how can I be a mentor and train with them and show them and kind of cross over that? We, we had a little talk yesterday, you know, Haley asked Guy, she's like, what's your plan this year? And he was like, well, I, I want to win. And so I'm like, damn right. That's, that should be your goal. You don't know, can't, I hate when people are like, well, you know, I'm just trying to get some experience. And then by 2023, I'd like to win. Hell no. Like you want to win now. Um, if you're doing this, I, I mean, I guess that's just my school of thought. Some people want to, are just happy to be there and, and that's fine. And that's, that's your uh, decision. But if I'm doing it, I want to, I want to try to win. How has this shift been from you decided you want to not do individual after the four in a row at any point? Have you ever said, man, I could have gone another year or two. <sighs> I think physically. Yes. Um, but mentally I just, you know, when you get to that point of it's one, it's not fun or you just don't have that extra kind of want to do it. Um, that's what separates, you know, first from second, really, you know, I think physically there were some years that I, you know, I, depending on injury or just the little things, 
could have been competitive, could have been top three, but mentally I just, there was no point, you know, I don't, I wouldn't want to do that uh, to myself, to the people that supported me. I wouldn't have been proud of the effort that I put in. I just did not want to do it anymore. And so being on a team allows me to scratch that itch of being competitive. And then I can push for other people and, and want to um, do well for them. How much better of an athlete do you think you are now than you were six years ago? I think I'm way more well-rounded. Um, swimming uh, is, is a more of a strength than a weakness now. Uh, running is at least up to par. It's still not my favorite of things to do, but I probably, well, I definitely wouldn't walk on triple threes this time. Um, so, you know, I think all around, you know, my strength may not be as good um, as it was overall, like one rep stuff, but I feel like as an athlete, overall well-rounded, uh, I'm better than I have been, you know, in years, I think, since I competed as an individual, for sure. How much do you think that has to do with the training and volume accumulation versus maybe tightening the screws in other areas like nutrition, sleep, recovery, modalities? You know, it seems like you guys do a lot of like you have all the toys available. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a are. huge part of it. And I think just being uh, cognizant of those, hey, I have to work on those things that are holes regularly or they they just don't improve and if i lay off of them for a while they become holes again so running is something that i have to do two sometimes three times a week or it it just does not it's not something i can maintain strength i can relatively maintain 90 percent probably of what my prs or all-time one rep maxes are as long as i touch a barbell every once in a while but if i don't concentrate on running or you know, worry about my paces and do things like that. Um, that stuff goes away way faster. I just get way more uncomfortable with it and don't, I don't enjoy those things. So, uh, I have to work on those things for sure. How do you bounce back from tough training weeks and, uh, getting your body right? I think sleep is my number one, um, nutrition, probably number two. I got to make sure I'm eating enough. Um, and then, Three, we have a, a plunge. Right now, I've got to get it inside. We have this uh, back part that we're building of the barn. It's going to be a studio slash uh, kind of a little bit of a training area, but it'll be heated in there. Um, if I get a plunge in there, I'll use it a lot more again. But this time of year, I can't sit in 50 degrees when it's 30 degrees outside. It's just I can't make myself do it. Um, but, you know, when it gets warm in summer and the games training season starts, uh, cold plunge is, is a huge part of it. I'd really, really enjoy that. Uh, but yeah, I, I would go sleep first, nutrition second, um, and then all that other stuff, plunge, uh, Theragun, whatever. Stretching is something that I've had to make sure to, to do. I've noticed I had a kind of a back issue been about two years ago. And if I get my adductors uh, and keep them pretty, pretty loose, I have no back issue whatsoever. And obviously it seems to help my knee as well, where I've had that um, just meniscus issue since 17. So uh, sucks getting old, but you know, those things that I've got to, got to stay on top of or else, you know, makes for a poor training week, which is hard with three kids. You know, you don't want to take that extra time to do those things when I could be playing hide and seek with the kids or, or hanging out with them doing whatever. So I try to sneak that in, um, depending on what's going on around here. Do you find it challenging to maintain a regular sort of bed and wake time or rhythm with the three kids? Yes. Yes and no. Um, they're getting to the age where, you know, seven, four and three or uh, Violet will be four in February and Trice will be five in April. Lakeland will be eight in July. So they're they're getting to where it's pretty regular. 
um, sleeping and waking times. You know, Lakeland this year um, went to public school. She and has done great and thriving, but um, I take her every morning. So 645, you know, no matter what time we go to bed, we're up at 645, which kind of sucks, you know. Um, but it is what it is. You know, that was when I was an individual, I didn't set an alarm clock. I'd wake up and when training happened, training happened. And now it's like, I got to be on a little bit more of a schedule and, and, you know, be cognizant of time and time management, which has never been a, a strong point of mind. So, uh, I'm working on that. Is it a necessity for you to have a training group around you because you've been on teams for so long and you, you grew up in this massive family where it's competitive, would you say that that's been part of your success? It's always just had at least a training buddy, whether it's James Hobart or who all of you have now. Yeah, hundred percent. I, you know, there's obviously days where you don't want to have a training partner so you can just kind of go in and, and do your thing. Um, but that's once in, you know, like some days you don't want to push and some days you can't push. And so for me over the years, I've learned that, Hey, you know, let that ego go. Some days I, you know, I'm not going to be pushing the same pace that somebody else is doing, but you know, overwhelmingly, yes, I think training partners are almost more important than a coach. As long as I've been doing it, your movement's pretty clean. You know how to program for yourself or you're following a program. I think training partners are huge. You know, that push, that kind of camaraderie, it doesn't make everything just kind of dull and boring. Um, I think training partners are a huge part. And I, I 100% think that's a huge part of my success, even um, when I was an individual, having good training partners and people to push me in different areas, you know, not necessarily overall, but having people that are good at different things to push you at certain things. You mentioned, you know, not every day you're going to push. How much are you using the combination of body feel, data, you know, kind of where you are in the week to make the adjustments to your sort of program along the way? I know we're the Whoop podcast, so I, I do use Whoop quite a bit. Um, if I am in the red, I know that that's, that's a day that I'm not going to be able to push quite as much. Or um, really, on those days, I, I watch volume, per se, and, and try to make sure that I'm not pushing way beyond where it says I should. That's actually been a huge part of off-season. During the season, uh, come probably January 1, I don't really look at it. I keep it on, but I don't – I look at it every single day, but I – look at it more for strain um, than I do actual recovery just because I know, Hey, some days you're going to have to compete when your body is in the red. And so I need to get used to that as long as I'm not trending and staying in the red for multiple days. Honestly, that's the main thing. You know, if I have a red day and I train relatively normal and the next day it comes up, then I'll keep at it. But if I have probably two days in the red, uh, I might, might take it a little bit more easy or if I'm sick or something like that. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, that's the right way to kind of understand the data. And, you know, one day is one day. And one day is one said, day. If yeah. There's a competition. You, you're, you're going out there. Um, yeah, exactly. So what do you think your sort of next step in CrossFit is going to be? You say maybe you'll eventually retire. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> um, Probably sooner than later. Do you think you'll get more involved hands on with CrossFit? You'll still be that sort of training partner for the athletes that train out of the barn and mayhem will you shift more to a coach role what do you kind of think is is next yeah i think um you know as a myself in the future i think uh mentor slash coach slash training partner i'm more of a lead by example type uh, that's my just kind of the way i've always been like i'm gonna put the work in as well and i'm not gonna ask you to do anything that i wouldn't do so 
you know, I think it would be hard for me to just stand there with a stopwatch and a clipboard. I don't think I'll ever be that type of coach. Um, but you know, I, I feel like I, through my experience, um, competing through my experience training, um, I feel like I have, you know, can relay some things to future generations and I'm starting to enjoy that a little bit more. You know, I, I was joking, you know, in the mornings I'll be training normal with everybody else. And in the afternoons, I'll probably be out somewhere on the tractor in the farm. That's where I'm getting to the point, And I kind of know I'm nearing the end is where I really enjoy kind of our first session and training hard and doing those things. And then in the afternoon, I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to go back out to the barn. I'd rather go mess around on it. Like I said, mess around the tractor, knock some trees over, do some stuff like that, ride the horse, whatever. Um, so I know that, you know, it's getting to that point. Um, when, like I said, that afternoon session doesn't sound as much fun. That's when I know it's time. So that's fair. Do you have a, any really memorable event wins where you're like, man, I really wanted to win that. So I, I went out and got that one or, yeah, I think this year, this year at the, uh, the wall walk thruster one was a Mm -hmm. lot of fun. Uh, the crowd getting into that and, you know, us getting the five reps, and, you know, before that thinking, all right, we're going to do all seven. Then you get to five and you're like, oh, no. And then the crowd starts cheering and you're like, well, now I have to do it. Um, it was super memorable. Uh, that one was a ton of fun. I think back to in 17, actually, um, as much as I try to forget that year, the the hay bale sprint finish thing where mm. um, basically they just said, hey, whoever has the chip can go. And Wasatch kind of held back uh, thinking that the person who had the chip had to be last. And I we just... Lindy was like, Hey, go. So I took off. Um, there's some pretty cool video of that one. So I think that's why I remember that. Um, but yeah, I think every year there's some, some fun stuff like that. I think you look back at thick and quick or, uh, double gray since it was my final event, um, was a ton of fun, but each, I think each kind of little event we've done always has some type of special moment. Um, when you look back, I'm starting to forget them all. No, I've been doing it for so long. <laughs> you've been, yeah, you've been in so many. You know, you've got the the year coming up. You competing at Wadapalooza. Yeah, yeah. Me, Angelo, and Luke are going to be mayhem in paradise. Uh, a little make fun of Luke there. He didn't realize we were making fun of him uh, when we said that name until like three weeks ago. Uh, we've had that name planned for a while, and so he finally he realized. He was like, "Oh, you guys making fun of me?" So pretty funny so for context luke luke was on the bachelor bachelor so, yeah bachelor in paradise yeah, he, he, he trains <laughs> yeah he he trains down with with rich yeah um, no, good that, dude if, salt if, of the if, earth if, man. If, that, <laughs> that guy i you know he he caught a bad rap on the show and even my wife showed me some of the clips after and i was like that's not luke like luke is literally the nicest human being you've ever met um and so uh good dude good to have around so speaking of that team and just any team, each athlete has their own sort of like strengths and weaknesses. When you're programming for the team, are you thinking about how to build each person individually? Are you looking at it as, this is what I know we have to do to win. So even if you fail, we're going to know that we're going to fail here and get better in this area. Or are you, are you starting to tweak programs for... Yeah, I, and, and I, I you know use me, Luke, and Angelo. That's kind of more for fun. But when I think of like a team of four, you know, we want to, you know, everybody is going to have a strength and a weakness that's different from somebody else or, or one of the three or four, I mean, is going to have some type of weakness um, within any given workout. So we want to 
I want to try to push us to see where that weakness is and, hey, can we, you know, pick up for that person or are we going to have to wait on that person or, you know, it's going to put a little stress on them in training that they are falling behind a little bit, not going to put any added stress. Luckily, with everybody that we have um, on the team, they put enough stress on themselves and are competitive enough that I don't need to add any stress. The stress of them feeling like we're waiting is a stress enough, but you, you learn a lot of, about people in training and what, how they handle that adversity and, and what they do in those moments. Um, so, you know, we're just trying to touch as many of those different things and different stimuluses um, or stimuli, I guess, um, as we go. So we know, one, what's going to happen, like what our weaknesses are in that competition, and two, what's going to happen when it hits the fan. And, hey, you know, how can we fix this or how can we work through this or, you know, like what do we need to do um, to pick you up or, or help you out. So that's the one beauty of all the teams that we've been on over the years is everybody is super fit, one, good people, too. And everybody kind of is a, it has been a team player uh, in the fact that, you know, they're going to pick up when they have to pick up for somebody and they're going to let you know when they need to pick up. So um, that communication is a huge part, but a lot of that comes through the training that we do and, and how much we push and, and volume that we do uh, just to find those things. What would you say you're most proud of in all of your time of CrossFit? Oh man, just speaking to CrossFit. Uh, no, it could be, proud. it could be just in the last, uh, you can give me any of them. You could, you could any over of the them? last 11, 12 years. You could, it could be athletic, could be team, could be life related. If we go life related, I mean, being a father, husband, you know, where we're at kind of as a family right now, really proud of that. Um, that's not just me. That's, you know, my wife, it's, it's everybody that helps us out there. Really proud of the community that we've created at Mayhem, um, through employees, through coaches, through members, uh, has been awesome. And then, uh, athletically, I think, um, five team championships is, is, I think cooler for me than my individual time. You know, it feels like such a different uh, time and a different lifetime ago. Winning with different personalities and trying to figure out how to motivate different people and and be a part of a team um, is way more difficult than than doing it than it was for me to do it by myself. Who's been your most challenging training partner in terms of has pushed you the most? Oh man. Um... All of them. If I really, if I go back to, you know, the beginning, it had been Darren, my cousin. Um, I think, and you know what, we all, and you ask actually anybody that's been around, Darren is the most talented person to never compete as an individual. Or we we always say waste of talent, but he's not a waste. Darren's not a waste. Uh, waste of physical talent. Um, you know, back when we first started CrossFit, if it was over 10 minutes, he'd beat me. If it was sub 10 minutes or heavier, I would beat him. Um, if he would have, I feel like if he would have actually concentrated on those things that he needed to concentrate on, you know, like I did with my weaknesses, I think Darren could have been, um, one of the, one of the greats in the sport, but that's not what Darren wanted to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Darren's an incredible coach. Uh, one of the best coaches that I've ever seen just in relating with people knows how to motivate different people differently. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, I would say comparable to me in CrossFit as an athlete, he's comparable to me in the same regard as a coach. Um, he's incredible and good at programming and stuff like that. So, um, uh, I don't want to say that he's a waste whatsoever because Darren has been awesome and I'm super proud of him, but as an athlete, um, uh, we always say that Darren as a, 
athletic talent was wasted. But that's not okay. what he wanted to do, you know. So I can't prove, can't can't put that on him. Your first one was your toughest one. So yeah, that's yep. you know that's pretty wild. Uh, um, Haley's up there too, though. Haley's a psycho. <laughs> In the most respectful way possible, Haley's a psycho. Yeah, it seems like she really takes after you in terms of going hard and uh, she does. You know, she does pu- pushing the limits of of what the body can do. Haley was on and it seems like you guys bash heads a couple times, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. In a good way. She's man. It's, it's preparing me for my daughter being a teenager really is what it's doing. (laughs) Uh, I feel like I'm going to be ready to go when Lakeland hits, you know, hits 13. Uh, Granted she's already, I feel like she's seven going on 16 anyway, but yeah, no Haley's uh, we've, we've developed a relationship that, you know, she can, I feel like she, she knows now that she can talk to me. Like she feels like she needs to talk to me and, at times I get super frustrated, but you know, that is with any type of relationship like that. And so, um, she's, she gets frustrated with me and you know, we, we figure it out and I think, uh, I think we'll be better for it. And, and I see it from what I feel like 10 years down the road where she's at. Um, and she sees it right now and I'm trying to get her to say, Hey, you know, in December, we don't need to be doing, we already do a ton of volume as it is, you don't need to add more volume on top of that in December. You know, we can start talking about that in say April or May or June. Um, but you know, stay fit. Let's get, you know, we, we know, we know her fitness overall fitness outside of strength is not her problem. So let's work on the strength. And if you keep running yourself into the ground, you're not going to get stronger. And so we're working on it. It's a give take. I'm like, all right, yeah, you can do some extra volume, but it's got to be accessory volume. You can't just go sit on a machine and hammer yourself. So, so uh, it's not good now that she has her own garage gym. Cause I think she's going and doing some other stuff, but uh, you know, every once in a while, I think she takes a whoop off as well. So I don't see that she does anything extra. So, uh, but <laughs> Hey, that's her decision as an athlete and as a person. And you know, I'm not going to be one of those that's going to stand over and tell her, Hey, I'm going to tell you, but uh, do as I say, not as I did. You think that you would give your younger self the same advice you're giving Haley now? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, it was a little bit different back then because we didn't know. You didn't know. But I look back and I'm like, no, nah, I was kind of done that extra whatever. Um, it did get me to where I am. But could I done it smarter? Could I have done it smarter? Could I have, you know, been better? I guess with my time instead of just you know always running myself into the ground. And I, but I think, like I said, I had to learn those things and somebody had to learn those things. And, um, it was kind of what we did back then was we were, nobody knew there was no book. I feel like I wouldn't say there's a book now or, um, everybody's doing a similar thing. And there's so many specialty coaches now that, yeah, you're working on your specialties, you're doing this, you're doing that. Um, but somebody had to do it to try to figure out what not to do. Something I noticed about you at the games that, does it doesn't seem like a ton of other athletes at the top do is you seem very accessible to fans you camp out in the parking lot where other people park and just kind of working out and people want to come up and they want to chat and you make time for them we had a little Um, wiffle ball game last year in the parking lot it was pretty fun has that always been your your sort of personality is like very open you know like in ingratiated with the community like you really are part of the community and don't see yourself as anything outside of it well i mean you know we wouldn't get to do what we do without the community without everybody supporting what we do 
I, you know, I'd be lying if I said I really love that and enjoy that. I, I do feed off that eventually, but it exhausts me. You know, I'm a, I'm not a, never been an outgoing person. Uh, I've never been much for public speaking. I've gotten way more comfortable with that over the last 10 years. I mean, you go back and look at interviews and stuff like that from 10 years ago. It's uh it's a pretty bad, pretty bad day watching those, but you know, it's, just, <laughs> I've, I've realized that, Hey, without, um, everybody without the community, I would, I would not be able to provi- provide for my family and do the things that I get to do. And it is awesome meeting people and hearing their stories and, and just learning and learning what we do is not just about the, the competitive side of, you know, winning and, and doing those things, but motivating people. Yeah, I think it's an awesome thing, but I would be 100% lying if I didn't say when I get done, I, I'm more exhausted doing some type of public uh, meet and greet or whatever than I am competing at the games or a hard training session. I just, it completely exhausts me because that's just not who I, I guess I, it's who I am, but it's not who I am. You know, I'm, I read an article, I guess it was called the the introverted extrovert. And so I'm, I'm an introvert probably by nature, but I, I know that I have to put on this kind of extrovert and talk to people and do those types of things. And I am invested when I do talk to those people, but it, it takes me down. It knocks me out. Yeah, for sure. You want to give everybody what, you know, they're kind of built up in their mind. As, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, know, you don't want to let people down. You know, you always, you always hear that, you know, I, I wish I would have never met my hero or whatever. And I don't want to be, you know, I'm sure I've had some of those interactions if I was exhausted or something like that or been a dick to somebody. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. I can only imagine for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you've expanded beyond CrossFit. I think you're repping about, you know, half of the brands right now. Yeah, yeah. Froning yep. Farms, yeah, Buff, Farms, Buffalo yeah. Brew. Buffalo Brew, yep. And, and how did you get into raising Buffalo? Yeah, so the, you know, we've got, I'm looking out at our, our uh, front 40 here. Um, you know, I grew up, we didn't have a working farm, but we had chores and uh, we had a couple horses uh, at some random points throughout my childhood. Like I said, no working farm, but we had chores and we had things we had to do and things to take care of. And I, think there's a huge benefit in that um you know when you have something to take care of as a as a kid and the kind of chores we can do as a family that was the idea and my best friend growing up lives a mile from here and has a cattle background we were both firefighters as well um in college at different points and and he raised cattle so we had land kind of between the two of us and i was like hey let's start a farm and he was like all right sweet let's do it and uh in the, in the process, uh, you were going to get some cattle and stick them out there and do whatever. And we were like, well, let's make up some logos and, you know, maybe we can sell some stuff to, to, to buy our herd. And then, you know, from there, see where it goes. And, uh, in the process, I was like, Hey, I've been doing a lot of research on bison. I've always thought bison were cool. And then the more and more research I did, I found out how awesome they were and just how resilient they are and just their history. And, um, it's just a, a really cool animal, but then also the health benefits of it, you know, the, the more lean meat, but you still get the good taste of beef and, you know, more vitamins and all well, minerals and stuff like that. So, uh, Matt was like, yeah, that's cool and all, but I don't know anything about bison. I'm like, ah, me either. So, uh, through that process, you know, like I said, we just designed some shirts and hats and then had another friend, uh, in the meat industry. And he was like, Hey, um, I can, we can start making sticks and, Biltong and those types of things. And we were like, all right, sweet, let's do it. And so uh, that's where we are with Froning Farms now. And, you know, it's it's pretty cool. You know, it's become, it's come full circle. And 
uh, I always talk about kind of this aha moment. I guess it was last year. Uh, we got home and, you know, with a time change and it was six o'clock and it's pitch black and it's spitting snow and I've got to go put hay out. You know, it is, you were taking care of some animals. They need food. And I'm about to walk outside and Lakeland, my then five-year-old is like, I'm going with you. And I'm like, Lakeland, it's nasty. It's going to take me 30, 45 minutes, like open cab tractor. You don't want to go with us. Like you're not doing this. She's like, no, I'm coming. And so for 45 minutes, she was right there with me. Never complained once we put hay out. We put, you know, Got the bison moved to a different field, made sure the water was, you know, busted up because it was cold and icy. And I was like, you know what, this is this is why we're doing this. And so we had one of those moments the last couple of nights, the kids fight on who gets to come, you know, because only take one of them at a time. Now we have a cab tractor, but they they want to come. They want to be a part of it. And uh, it's pretty special. And then now my wife has some horses and highlands on the other side. So it's been highland cattle. Uh, so it's been cool even to see her get into it and want to do stuff where she wants to, she, you know, used to hate outside is, was always her joke. And now I'm looking out and she's shoveling cow shit out of stalls and I'm like, all right, this is it. You know, this is, this is the life. So it's been awesome. That's amazing. It's a true family affair now. Yeah, it really is. That's, you know, that's why we did it. That's why we started it. Well, thank you, Rich, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. You can find Rich all over the internet. Yeah. Rich Froning, Mayhem Athlete, Cross of Mayhem, Mayhem Freedom, Froning Farms, Buffalo got it. Brew. Yep, yep. All of them. <laughs> so, Paying for my kids' um, college, thanks. so appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, Rich. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode of the Whoop Podcast, please drop us a rating or review. Don't forget to subscribe to the Whoop Podcast. You can check us out on social at Whoop, at Will Ahmed, and you can get 15% off a Whoop membership by using the code Will, W-I-L-L. Okay, folks, that's it for now. Stay healthy, stay in the green, keep an eye on that respiratory rate, keep it flat, and we'll see you next week.